Hello, and welcome to Into the Void with Will Adolfi. This is the first episode, and I'm so excited to bring this to you. Uh, Each episode, I'll be chatting with an interesting person, and we'll cover various topics about anything and everything. Today, I am chatting with Sarah Rickman. Sarah is a mother and actress, and one of the most lovely people I've ever met. We dived into lockdown, parenting, motherhood, and the latter half of the podcast is on Alan Rickman, who is Sarah's uncle. This one is really interesting. I discovered things I never knew about Sarah and Alan, and I really hope you enjoy it. So without further ado, Sarah Rickman. How's it going? Where are you? So I'm in Tuscany. Um, at my aunt's place. Lovely. Um, and it's a tiny little village in a mountainside. Um, we've got a pool, so that's brilliant. There's a pizza <laughs> place and a supermarket and a butcher's and obviously a, a wine shop. So we're sorted, really. <laughs> what more do you need, Sarah? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> And maybe you, a nanny. I was going to say, you haven't mentioned that you're with your family. And I'm I am, sure yeah. that's important as well, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sadly, I'm with my family. Oh. <laughs> no, no, but, no, no, no. But that is a, a great place to start because one of the reasons I wanted to get you on, well, partly because you just have one of the most infectious, incredible energy uh, from anyone I know. Putting that aside, you are a mother. And you are. (laughs) And COVID-19 was COVID-19. And I just was so intrigued to hear from a mother's perspective, because this whole homeschooling vibe must have been... Well, well, yeah, I don't know. Like, God, take take us back to the lockdown when it first started and, and just... If you can, um... well, we'd we'd already been in um, isolation for a week because we suspected that Andy had had it. Mm. Um, Your husband, so the, Andy. Yeah, Andy. Yeah. Um, so um, we so the kids were off school for that week. So the first couple of weeks, because then on the was it the Friday that we went into lockdown. So we'd already been in for a week, and that was okay actually. I sort of found a bit of bobs on the internet. We did some cooking, <laughs> sort of like I can do this. <laughs> yeah yeah um and um it's all quite jolly and then um obviously then we went into proper lockdown and up until the easter holiday break we were kind of muddling through the schools were muddling through i was muddling through friends were muddling through you know like typically i think as everybody was doing um my kids all go to three different schools. That's a big issue, though, because I needed three different computers. Um, Just two of them um, had online schooling going on in dribs and drabs prior to Easter. Um, And then Mabel, my youngest, um, there was just lots of bits and bobs on on the internet that I could just download like packs and things like that. So I was trying to get all that done for her. Yeah. Um, and then after Easter, that's when it really sort of kicked in because Easter was actually quite, was okay because we didn't have schooling going on. So that made it a lot easier. And then post Easter up until summer, um, it's been a real hard time because um, like I said, there are three different schools with three different kinds of ways of teaching, three different ex- expectations of what the children should be doing. Yeah. Um, so one of my eldest was stuck in a little room um, on a computer from pretty much nine in the morning till three o'clock in the afternoon every day. Um, yeah. And it really was challenging. I mean, she's a bright little button and really positive, wonderful little girl. But it really, really affected her, um, really missed her friends. That was the biggest thing that I found with her to de- that was hardest to deal with was, you know, there's just that emotional um, response to not being with her friends all the time. Mm. Um, and she found that very tough. 
and sorry, you're going to ask me something. I'm just jabbering away. To yeah, stop I, me. I, I, no, I've learned that with you. I've just got to get myself. I want to. I want to key in on that. Um, yeah. But what do you think? Like, what effect? What effect did that have on on your daughter? You know, not being with your friends and stuff. And did you have kind of tactics? Anything that you found that yeah. worked? Well, it was different for all of them. Like, so with Tilly. She was online with all her school friends all the time. So that was good in some respects. So she had constant contact with her entire class. Um, That's nice. But at the same time, it took away the joy of like kind of FaceTime and that kind of thing because they were always on screen anyway. And so it was very difficult for them to have like private jokey time. There wasn't that play time which children all need. Um, and yeah. so that the playtime became like a, a roadblock session at the end of school, um, which basically is such an addictive game that um, a roadblock so- session. Roadblocks, roadblocks, a roadblocks. Um, yeah, I don't know. Roadblocks, roadblocks. I don't know how you say it, but it's the it's the demon of my life. I hate it. <laughs> um, so yes, yeah, so she'd be on that. Um, and occasionally FaceTiming friends. And it was it was physical contact, actually. And then as soon as we could get into a park um, for them to go and have a socially distanced play, like as of if course, that's ever going to happen. I mean, it's just never going to happen with kids. You can't keep them apart. As soon as they see their best friend, they run straight into their arms and hug them. And you're like, no! <laughs> God, yeah. Was there an understanding, actually? That's an interesting point, like... Do you think they understood what was... Did you try and explain that to them? Did they get a hold of the news? The like. Oh, just... yeah, yeah. No, they were very They were very aware of it. They yeah. were very aware of it. In fact, ironically, the youngest was probably the most... Um, she's seven, Mabel. Um, she was the one who was probably most... Who, who most adhered to the rules. Like, if she... Like, when we did, like I say, went into the parks and things like that to go and see people, she didn't hug her best friend. mm which was so sad as well. These little kids who are constantly on top of each other. You know, we we most we have nits in our house most of the time <laughs> because of how tactile they all are. They just love a hug. Yeah, and um, uh, so that for those children not to be like that was quite quite uh, a shock to see, really. Um, yeah. Yeah, then, God, it really is important for children to have that physical touch, isn't it? it oh, just, God, completely, completely. Yeah. There was, so I, and you know, l- luckily there is five of us in our house, so they weren't wanting for hugs and things like that. But because <laughs> yeah. um, I know that's been, a, I mean, I've, I've got friends who are single who are on their own in a flat and and literally were not touched for that entire time. And I just find that so, uh, just an amazing and depressing concept to to uh, compute. I mean, it's wow. just, um, I, I would have given, <laughs> given my right arm a few days for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is it. I mean, that's such a true thing to say. I, all those people out there who were on their own, God, just how I, I had a little bit of lockdown on my own actually yeah and it what yeah it was I didn't do the whole of lockdown but those people out there who were on their own we did have to you know find out ways of basically fulfilling our needs that we otherwise wouldn't be able yeah. to you know and I was hugging myself at one point I'm not gonna lie yeah. and you got to you got to you, you got to find out a way of just you know getting more at peace and comfortable yeah. with yourself whether it's having a dance we on need your own. it we, you know exactly play the music get a little nice yeah. glass of wine have a little dance yeah. in your living room whatever you got to do to just keep yourself moving and you know well, I do that most Sundays anyway well, but <laughs> I know you do I know <laughs> what what music would you play if you had to play one song and you're going to dance your heart out Bring me back to your childhood. Oh, what are we talking? Fleetwood Mac, The Chain, probably. Oh, wow. Okay. That, I probably, didn't anticipate that. Probably. Um, the Chain. Or, yeah, or, Cat, so, or can some Cat Stevens. I'm a bit of a hippie chick when it comes. Like, if I'm thinking about things from my childhood, music that I played from my childhood, it would be, um, yeah, Cat Stevens and Fleetwood Mac and all that kind of... 
lovely, lovely music. And how do you think you would have reacted as a... As a child? As a child, in this, just to put yourself in your kids' shoes during all this. I'm an only child, um, so it would have been incredibly different. Um, uh, I don't think I would have coped very well. I was quite a demanding (laughs) child. (laughs) Yes, yes, that doesn't surprise me. (laughs) Um, Luckily, I had a lovely relationship with my mum, so... um, uh, I used to, she was my best friend, so we did used to play a lot when I was a child. I do remember that. So we probably would have played a lot, so... That's lovely. But I would have, um, I would have really, really missed showing off in front of other people. Ooh, <laughs> that's a hard one. Well, your mum probably would have got fed up of you showing yeah. off to her day after yeah. day. <laughs> and... Let's, uh, out of your children, um, I'm intrigued to hear, who, who's the most like you in that regard? You've definitely got one, haven't you, that li- likes a little, uh, a little show yes. off, should we say? Yes, yes. So, um, I suppose it would probably be Mabel, my youngest. <laughs> yes. She's quite a character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like her mother. Yeah, yeah, she's very funny. She's really, she's, um, she really does know what she wants in life. Um, and how old is she? She's seven. Mm. Um, currently it's that she wants to go horse riding. So, um, I'm having to try and locate somewhere to go horse riding in a tiny little village in Italy. I have Ah. found somewhere as well. (laughs) Oh, lovely. Well, I hope that goes well. Yes. Yes. So do I, because, um, I'm fed up of her just going, where are we going horse riding? When are we going horse riding? When are we going horse riding? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a tough old world that children are being brought up in in a lot of ways you know there's lots of positives but one of the things that we were talking about uh the other day was just the whole purpose thing and how do we give children purpose Mm. and how tough it was during covid to wake up and i guess was that one of your main challenges thinking of things to do to get them entertained to keep their energy up and to keep them kind of not going down the rabbit hole of netflix and games the whole day right i mean it was um obviously once the school system had kicked in with them there was a sense of order to things um, and definitely Tilly adhered to that. Um, Flynn, um, who's my middle one, um, he um, doesn't sit well with structure. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. um, the, the online schooling didn't work for him at all. So it became a constant battle every day to get him to do something. And well, in the end, I stopped him homeschooling because it was causing his his mental state was was it was in such a bad place. He really was. He was the most unhappiest little boy I've ever seen. Um, mm. And I, uh, as far as I was concerned, it was just that it was, it was so detrimental to him that he had to stop um, wow. because he was he was constantly trying to get on the games as well because I because I was going to three different areas in the house dealing with three different children mm. I couldn't always be with him so the moment I'd leave he'd go straight onto a computer game of some kind like even in a, even in a lesson he'd be mid he'd sort of like come back and he'd be playing a game and the teacher would be talking to him asking a question and, she, and he wouldn't yeah. be part of what uh, uh. And like, oh, she can see what you're doing Flynn <laughs> yeah what do you um, think he needed in that because it's so tough because on the one hand he's actually gaining a sense of maybe comfort and relief from the tough circumstance that he's in playing those yeah. games, but you don't yeah. want him to play them for too long. So how do you... No, yeah. because he'd always come out aggressive after it. Right. He'd always right. be... It was, And it was always a battle to get him off it, whatever happened. It still is to this day. You know, it's... Um, you, you, you have to... I've got much better at saying, if you do this, you get this. I've got a lot beforehand I was a bit crap at it but now I'm much more like he's he had his his switch taken off him yesterday because <laughs> he he squirted us with water pistols and then put a tissue in his father's beer because he wasn't getting enough attention 
So, oh, uh... goodness. <laughs> and and would, you, uh, would you be okay sharing the MacBook story as well, I remember? Oh, yes. Yes. So, yes, in one moment of um, uh, anger... Um, and there were quite a few. This was probably one of the most expensive moments. Oh, God. He, he, he very slowly and very um, thoughtfully... <laughs> He's a thoughtful hold, boy. Yes, got hold of a glass of cold water and flew it, threw it completely over um, his dad's um, computer. Yes. Um, not just yes. any computer, folks. That's no. a MacBook Pro. Yes. Um, so that was uh, that wasn't that wasn't great. That wasn't a great moment. How that do you a... how do you deal with that as a parent? Because on the one hand, you know, you know, your mind's going, "Oh my goodness me!" Yeah, I was a shock. <laughs> yeah, it's a shock, right? But on the other hand, he's your son, and you have compassion, and you can maybe understand. But also, you're like, he's an evil genius, perhaps. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the look in his eye. Um, I don't know. Yeah, how how. It's a tough one. As well, that was, that was the moment I, I realised homeschooling had to stop. Right. To be honest. That was, that was the, uh, the straw that broke the camel's back. <laughs> yeah, what was he um, saying and in I doing I don't know who the camel back. in that is. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was... He just was so frustrated with it. He just couldn't do it anymore. He couldn't concentrate on anything. Um, yeah. Like, he was finding... Because at the beginning of it, they they did a mind they were doing mindfulness classes quite regularly, and and he loved those and they were really good for him. But even towards just before I stopped him doing the homeschooling, even that angered him. And I was thinking, my God, you're getting angry at mindfulness. We're in a really really bad place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so we yeah, Fuck off it was time to. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. It was a big fuck off to it. Yeah. Um, so no, so that had to that was the point. It's like, no, this is we've got to do something very different. And and so it became a case of like we did some maths and English um a bit every day, nothing major. And then um I'd let him sort of think about things that he'd want to do himself. He wanted to make something or um I'm Try and keep him off tech as much as possible. Um, yeah. And we were, you, we, he learned how to ride a bike because he hadn't learned how to ride a bike, so that was good. Uh, and we'd go out for a walk with the dog, um, and that would be good for him. Um, uh, so it was, yeah. So it was, it was, it was just really, really tough, really tough. Mm. And um, the difference once he was able to see his friends. And once school had uh, just sort of started to die down a bit, was was huge. He became so, he became almost a new little boy overnight. Um, oh, that's. I mean, that's still, lovely. still very naughty. I mean, he is, he is, a challenging child at the best of times. Is it? Is it? Does <laughs> he have excess energy? Finds it quite hard to concentrate. Is it that? Sort finds of... it really hard to concentrate. Yeah. Um, and doesn't listen. Well, um, I can relate to him there. It certainly will get better, I think, with age. It's just as yeah. a young child being forced, in a way, to sit down at school and, you know, sit in that class and behave in a certain manner. It just doesn't jar well no, with some it doesn't, children. doesn't work. But what was wonderful is that um, at the end of the school, so his teacher sent him a present, because um, I'd had, lo obviously, lots of communication with her over what was going on with him at home. And she was an absolutely wonderful teacher. And um, she sent him a present at the end of school. It was, you know, those little, I don't know whether you've seen them, those little histo history, historical books of, you know, icons and famous people throughout history. Um, right. And she sent him um, a little David Bowie one. And um, she sort of, the, 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 the signing off part of it, the world needs more David Bowies and mm. Finn Hodges. And that was just like, oh my God, you get him. You get him. He doesn't think like other people. He doesn't act like other people. Um, but he's got the biggest heart, and it, you know, no one—he would You'd find it hard, be hard pressed to find someone who who didn't love as hard as he does. He mm. really loves hard, um, but he also gets <laughs> very angry. <laughs> yes, right. Well, that's it. It's it's 
he yeah he needs it's like maybe him being aware of the power that he has within him this raw energy and yeah. putting it into which I'm sure will happen with age right as a kid you're just raw yeah. energy bursting around um, and then as you get older you find out a way to funnel that energy in he sounds like yeah. a creative am, am I right in He's re- yeah, yeah. He's he loves making things. Like we've got quite a few robotic arms here in Italy at the moment, um, made out <laughs> of various Fanta bottles. <laughs> yes, yes, that sounds incredible. And just and he's t- a very good little actor. An actor, ah, so yeah, he's very good. Acting he's really good. definitely runs in the family, then. I think so. Yes, I think well, so. Clearly, um, do you think that's him looking up to you and perhaps his? great uncle and thinking oh I need to do this or is it just naturally no I think it's natural I don't think he I don't think he cares what we all do really Mm. um or did I mean he's he's uh he's just got in him he's just got a a, A spark about him it's just got this (laughs) thing that it's real natural because I've had to use him a few times in my auditions (laughs) and uh you get the job every time (laughs) yeah He's so good in it. He's so good. Well, just, that's yeah. Just that's simply. Well, we need to because I working at a special needs school. I have a lot of children with just raw energy, bubbling with yeah. life, and you know, the story in their head is that they aren't they're a rebel or that they uh, aren't very good at school and that they need yeah. to behave and. Sometimes I'm just kind of like, is that the wrong message that we're giving Mm. to these children? Because, of course, they don't know what to do with this energy. But the fact that they have this energy to give, it's just about nurturing it in a way that they can put it into something productive rather than I'm going to misbehave and cause mayhem. But that is one side to it, right? Yeah, I mean, I think sometimes the other thing that happens is that... um, I've got to be very careful not to set him up for failure. Um, you know that sometimes he's not going to be able to do something, but yet you put them in that situation and you're like, they're going to fail. And then what happens, particularly with Flynn, I find, is that he deliberately fails. So he's got control of his own failure. Wow. That I've chosen to fail at this point and I'm not going to fail down the, down the road a bit further because of what you've done to me. I'm angry at you, so I'm going to fail now. And yeah. uh, it's sort of, it's quite hard to sort of show, show him that, no, don't feel that way, please, don't feel that way. Just do your best and that's all I care about. <laughs> Just be you. Yeah. Yeah, one of the things they teach us um, at the special needs school and is, for example, if I've got a wheelchair, a person, a wheelchair user who I'm looking after and supporting and the button to press the wheelchair lift is right in front of me. I've got to make a conscious effort not to do things for them. Yeah. I have to let them do the the lift, push the button for the lift, even though it takes longer. Yeah. You have to let them do it. It's like the whole story of if a child's learning to, you know, tie their shoes, you could just keep doing it for them. It'd be easier. But they have to learn and you have to watch there. And it can be frustrating at times, but mm. it's so important to give them that autonomy and that sense of control. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, definitely. Yeah. Have you, what have you learned in terms of just in general, I guess, really, or maybe any new lessons over COVID? But I'm just really intrigued to learn more about what it means to be a mother and a parent and anything that pops to mind straight away. I think... I don't know whether it's about whether I learnt it, but what I always struggled with the most was um, losing my identity as a, as myself. Oh wow! Um, yeah. Because because um, Andy was working full time, um, and obviously as an actor, you never work full time. <laughs> <laughs> it's very true. Um, and so the the responsibility for their care for the house and for the children and for the dog and for my husband eating and shopping you know all of this it all fell at my feet and and therefore I became simply a mother and a housewife something I haven't just been a mother and a housewife ever in my life um and and that was that was really 
hard to deal with, definitely. And I was resentful and angry at points, both to my husband and to my children. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I would apologise to him sometimes when I'd lose my rag about something because it wouldn't be them that I was losing my rag at. It was the situation that, why am I having to fucking cook another meal at lunchtime? <laughs> or oh, God, why, yeah. why, you know, why am I having to do this next lot sock wash or I don't know. <laughs> those darn socks (laughs) yeah just really just not having any space to be me was really difficult um definitely obviously doing flux was um a godsend for me definitely because there were some days where I was really really down about it and I'd you know do an hour of improv and you'd feel so much more positive again I Um, do remember you turning up to workshops with paint all over your face, your hair and frizzes, and you were just there like, hey, guys! And I was like, wow, that is it. I love it. It was just amazing to have you. And you could, you had no idea what the kids were doing downstairs. No. You were just like, whatever, let's roll with yes. it. Yes, let's just go for this now because I can't cope anymore. <laughs> oh, man. Well, we had no idea. You just brought your, norm, like, your normal bubbly energy, and it was great. So I, I'm, that makes me just feel good that, the fact that you had just that little bit of space in the yeah, day. Yeah, it was an to... oasis. It was an oasis, definitely. Um, it's. I mean, I really, really loved it. Really loved it. Um, and my agent as well was sending over things for us to do as well, which was really great to have them um, trying to keep us sane as well. So um, I, I was very lucky with that. That's and great. I've who's, your, a lot. who's your agent? Sorry, just quick. Uh, Mostyn and Cross. That's lovely of them. Very lovely. No, they're great. They're a really nurturing agency, actually. Um, very caring, and we did the obligatory quizzes and um, <laughs> things like that, which, I mean, I'm a quizaholic anyway, so I love all that. <laughs> yeah, it, did, it didn't get tiring, did it, after 20-odd weeks? No, no not for no. me. I love it. I absolutely yeah, love you, a quiz. You are very good at them. <laughs> no. <laughs> but... Um, so that, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't say, I, um, I, did I learn stuff from it? Um, I mean, I obviously did uh, learn a lot. I learned a lot about patience and, um, and a lot about actually my family, what we need as a family. And, um, you know, it's, it's silly, simple things that I, I want to carry through to post-lockdown, like having regular family meals together. I mean, we'd always have... Sunday meals together and occasionally maybe a Friday night pizza together um but other than that because Andy would get home so late um or I'd be going out to the theatre or something like that um invariably uh dinners would be very like the kids had their meal at one point and me and Andy would have our dinner either together or separate at another point so that's been really important and it's a moment for us to sort of reflect a daily reflection kind of thing and a chat even if it's just a shouting match actually sometimes Mm. yeah I've always admired Um, your ability to maintain your sense of self whilst being a mother and having a family because you are very sociable um when it comes to you know going to the theatre being at the workshops um and (laughs) you're a great mum you know and that's that's always made me think oh wow it is possible to be a mum or a dad and still you know fulfill be fulfilled so I wonder if you could just was this something you learned is this something you've got the hang of was it a case when they were first born that you kind of just said right I have to surrender for now but I'll be back well I'd the thing is though is I'd given up acting um so I gave up acting Oh, God, how many years ago now? So I gave up acting when I was about... So about 20 years ago, I gave up acting. I didn't know that. Um, but I was, it wasn't right working for me. Um, I partied a lot. It hasn't really stopped, no, no. no it has. It's that, calmed. It's <laughs> calmed, it's calmed. That's it. Yeah. Thank you for being uh, honest, Sarah. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, I partied a lot. I wanted money. Um, I wasn't as hungry. 
I was I didn't have that. You know, if you want to be an actor, you've got to be bloody hungry for it. And I think I was a little bit lazy about it. And also, I just didn't know what to do. And I was absolutely, absolutely adamant I was going to do it on my own. I was like, I don't want any help from Alan. Um, um, I can do this on my own. I can do it without he- you and him. And, um, wow, okay. And uh, not that he didn't introduce me to different people. He did because, you know, that's what he did. Um, that was his beauty, actually, with anybody that he, who had contact with him, that he, he'd be on, constantly putting connect, connections together and making people find each other and say you're going to be great with that person da, 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 and put, he put them together and it'd be you know fascinating to watch but um I was absolutely like no I, I can do this but um ultimately I couldn't <laughs> <laughs> well let's just talk about that for a sec that's really interesting so just for anyone listening who's not aware so Alan Rickman was your uncle Sarah yeah that's correct um that's Hearing you talk about that, I just feel like I have so much respect for that because I always did wonder, because for him being your uncle, I'm sure there was maybe moments where he said perhaps things like, oh, I can sort this out, I can sort that, but you were like, no, I want to do this on my yeah. own. Was that I mean, the he, sense? It was very much that. and um, But he was also, he never would have, actually, he never would have done anything for me, for me, per se. Okay. He would make introductions. Um, you know. Uh, then it was up to you. But he wouldn't have, he couldn't have got me into RADA, for example, which I didn't get into. Bastards. <laughs> <laughs> um, They're lost. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, um, you know, he couldn't, he couldn't have done that. Um, but he could get me in a room with a casting director um, and he helped me get my first agent which was amazing but at the same time the agent only took me on because I was his niece there was no interest in me whatsoever they she was just a favor so that was kind of pointless um how did that make you feel when you, did you know that deep down or was it something that she I knew said? that deep, yeah no, I knew that deep down okay um it was yeah it was I was never being put up for auditions Never, but I was on their books, so she'd done the favour. Um, yeah. But never really did the work kind of thing. And the awful, the, the action of phoning, I'd be like, oh, I've got to phone him again. Mm. So I'd phone up and say, anything, anything in, anything in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, so, uh, no, but I, so I was absolutely adamant I'd do it on my own. To the point where he wanted me to, he was, he was like, you have to go to drama school, Sarah, you have to. And, uh, and I was like, no, 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 I, 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 I've done my course now, I'm fine, I'm ready. And I, he, he was always angry that I never did go to drama school. Um, mm-hmm. um, but always believed in me, which was wonderful to have that belief. Because he did, obviously, he'd come to see me in all my shows that I was in. Um, and you felt that you didn't feel like he was just saying it for the sake of it. You felt like he genuinely he believed in you. Yeah, he de- definitely did. He yeah. definitely did. Um, and he'd always give me notes afterwards. <laughs> well, <laughs> I guess yeah, that's fair play. You've got to, <laughs> I guess yeah. you've got to take notes from Alan Rickman. Get notes. I always remember I did this one play at Canal Cafe, yeah. and um, <laughs> came out afterwards. He goes, you've got to learn to do something with your arms, Sarah. <laughs> oh, God. What were you thinking? All right, bugger off. I was thinking, well, I don't know what to do with them. I don't know what to do with them. Oh, that's amazing. Um, <laughs> and is that something that you now, in, in those moments where you get a rejection, as every actor does, um, yeah. is that something you hang on to? Can you still sense his presence with you, like he believes in you? Is this something you're going to Oh, God, yeah. Because part of the reason in, for me going back into acting was him dying and his sort of kind of final words. Oh, wow. Um, were, and I didn't... He'd said something to somebody else without me knowing, and I, I found out at the funeral, but he'd always said to, he'd said to me when he was, you know, when he was dying, you know, you are good, you know, you should, yeah. you shouldn't give it up, you're, you know, kind of thing. Um, if, I mean, I hadn't, and I hadn't 
done anything. He put me in his little film, Little Chaos, which is a beautiful film if anyone's um, not seen it. It's mm. a really beautiful film. And um, I got a little tiny part in that um, when I was breastfeeding Mabel, I remember that. And it was a real, like, oh, my God, I, it was a real... I think he did it on purpose to just say, look, this is your last child. This is what's out here for you. Come back, come back, come you back. You can do this. Um, and, and I'd been writing, so I was, I'd, I'd, I'd finished writing a film script. And um, that's kind of where I was thinking, oh, I'm going to focus my creativity on writing for a while. Um, and then, but then, so I've digressed slightly, but um, no, please. I found out, I found out, so I found out at his funeral from one of his friends that he'd read the script. Um, he hadn't read all of it, he'd read quite a bit of it, but he'd read it and um, he'd said to his friend, um, she's coming back, she's coming back. And he was really pleased. Mm. And I just thought, I've got that belief, he believes in me that much, so... Um, I've got to do this again. I've got to try, um, and I've and I and that and then I started doing courses again to try and get myself back into it, um, and then bit by bit, you wow. know, I am here today, <laughs> an unsuccessful actress. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's beautiful though because <laughs> you're laughing, but I mean. It, I'm just going to be honest, like, I, I believe in you as well. I, I do think you have what I would call it, I'd say. And Thank you. Yeah. It's just... not coming from you, Will. No, <laughs> I, I do mean that. And it's uh, it just to hear that story, I, it all makes sense now because I had no idea that you were, that you were quit and that sort of him and his passing had such a, massive impact on you huge coming impact. back that's, huge impact that's amazing to hear and part I, of yeah. me sometimes thinks would i would i have been back in it had he not passed everything and um it's weird it's weird how things happen i mean i probably would have done i probably would have done but um maybe not with the kind of gusto that i'm doing it as yeah well um, this is it you've got the gusto you've got the belief i can see it in you every time you get up there in a workshop you know, you just give it a hundred percent. You aren't messing about. And, no, there's know, nothing. I've got nothing to lose anymore. I've got nothing to lose. It's ruthless what you're doing, and I love that. And I'm a firm believer of just keep being ruthless, and shit will happen. That's yeah. what I believe anyway. Um, so, God, to hear that uh, is is incredible. And maybe we can talk a little bit about more if you're happy to. Just. Yeah. I don't know if there's anything that you learned, the good, the bad, the ugly, of course, let's get real. Um, anything, because we had that beautiful conversation at the pub, because for me, I had no idea. I, had, I told you, I had an existential crisis when I saw your tweet about watching Harry Potter with your children. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they, you were showing them and they were screaming, oh, that's Uncle Alan. And, uh, and then I put two and two together and initially at first, for some reason, thought that he was your brother. Um, uh, Thanks. So, yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry. <laughs> that was just me being an I idiot. I thought I didn't look too bad for my age, but shit. Sarah, you, do, you look 10 years younger. That was me being very silly. I apologize. Um, but then obviously it occurred to me. So, yeah, I'm just, we had that pub uh, chat at the pub and you were just talking about what you learn from him and you aren't someone and the think of the reason that i've never known is by your last name and that was when i had the thing you are you aren't someone who is using having no. him as an uncle at all in the slightest you didn't even mention it once and i thought that was incredibly beautiful and it's the fact that you are doing this on your own even though you've had an uncle with a name such as that so yeah I don't know if you've got anything to say on that or whether there is anything to say, but I just always found that admirable. I don't know. I mean, I've always, um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I just feel, um, he was a wonderful man, a wonderful actor, and I would never want to, um, uh, bring shame to him by being like, I don't know, I, partly, 
sort of going into something and not telling people who you are or who you're related to, not who you are, but um, is about, well, if I fuck up, I don't want to embarrass him. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But also, like you say, I don't want to use it. I've never wanted to use it. Um, Goes back to what I was saying before. I want to do this on my own. Um, um, But he was an amazing actor and an uncle and... I'd like to think a friend definitely towards the end and um, uh, he was the most generous and fantastic listener and I think both both in acting and outside of it wow. he was um, the, um, a formidable listener actually he knew everything about everyone just by hearing what someone said and taking it in and knowing what they needed. Um, That's beautiful. Uh, um, and I want to emulate that. I want to be. I want to be like that. Mm. You know, he doesn't want to be like that. I don't. So I, do you yeah. think that's interesting? Because have as someone who has just seen your uncle on the screen, you can see that. You can see that's why he's just so watchable right he's just a really just such a good listener just very present that's one of the key skills to have as an actor but you're saying he was like that in real life as well um yeah it do you think there's a correlation there between as an actor if we want to work on ourselves as an actor then we better start working on ourselves as a person as As well as a human being yes definitely that's Um, fascinating oh don't get me wrong he wasn't the same he was a complete control freak at points as well but um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right, right, right. I remember you saying, yeah, let's, let's not sugarcoat this. Let's not sugarcoat. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm not going to blow smoke up your belt forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, although, uh, yeah, I definitely could, but I understand, yeah. So, of course, well, he was your uncle and you don't need to use that. And that's what I, I love. Um, I guess we had a little, we're working on something at the moment, aren't we? And yes. Yeah. Uh, we had a great chat the other day. Um, it's there's themes of you know, loss and love and life and death and I was really struck by the moment that you were talking about when you sort of I think maybe knew knew it was coming. Yeah. So the 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 point at which the the, the chemo had been stopped because he'd had a he'd had a stroke. Um, back in the I think October it was or something like that and that was like oh that's not good Mm. but it's still really positive and he was still really positive everyone was still really positive and we you know he was gonna live he was gonna be part of the whatever 11% who survived pancreatic cancer Um, and then um, and then it was yeah when the chemo was stopped and it was like okay that means that they've they've got nothing else to give now. Um, they don't, you know, there's no point. And that was that was the moment of mourning for me. So not at his actual death, but the moment of mourning was was when that was stopped. And that was um, that was raw. That was raw. That was. Uh, when you've had all this hope for so long, for months and months and months. And obviously we'd had to keep it, we were all out of obviously respect to Alan. Uh, it was a secret, you know, I, I hadn't told anybody. Yeah. Obviously Andy, my husband, but that was it. My best friends didn't know nothing, which is very difficult when you're going through something um, so painful not to be able to share that burden with others. Was that for just to keep it away from the media or? I, I think he was keeping it away from the media, but also he was keeping it away from his, his friends right. a lot. Um, right. Because he, he knew they would be devastated. God, yeah. So, um, and he didn't want their devastation. He wanted their joy and their normal normalcy um sorry i think they knew that something was wrong but they didn't you know they obviously didn't realize what was wrong um do you think looking uh, at that situation though 
that it would have been now in hindsight, obviously, um, that it would have been maybe better to tell them, like so they knew what was coming, or do you think it was? It... I think he handled it beautifully, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, I really do. Um, um, he did it on his own terms, you know. It was all on his terms. I told you he's a control freak. <laughs> <laughs> So his last act of control was controlling the way people found... Yeah, okay. Wow. Yeah. Well, right. his last action of control was actually completely and utterly directing his entire funeral. <laughs> In true Alan fashion, I'm sure. Wow. And what... I haven't asked you this, but... What, what was that like at, at the funeral to be... See, I'm sure there was a, an ocean of people there and... Was there well, lots of a, love? We had a small one. Yeah. We had a small one prior to like a memorial kind of thing, which was at the Actors' Church in Covent Garden. Yes. Um, so the, the small one I actually did with uh, an, the epilogue. Epilogue? It's not an epilogue. Look. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that slip. That... Jesus. Epilogue. Jesus. I actually did the eulogy. Yeah. You need to, uh, you need to get back in the game there, Sarah. I Christ. do. <laughs> the epilogue yeah, yeah. The epilogue to his life no yeah. a eulogy um oh, so from, you, like, you read the eulogy yeah from the family side of things yeah and then um uh, it was ruby ruby wax did it from the friends side of things at the at the um the, the small little service can i just say is that a bell ringing yes. in the back oh my goodness me yeah, that's, we'll have a bell every hour. That's weird, though, because you were talking about a funeral there. I hear the bell. Maybe yes. I'm just putting two and two together. <laughs> that genuinely felt like Alan was saying, all right, yeah, you know, right. what's going on? All right, Sarah. Uh, <laughs> maybe me overthinking it, but that was, well, that gave me tingles. Sorry, carry on. Well, I'm in his old house, so. Are you? <laughs> well, yeah, because it's my aunt, so it's his, it's his place where he used to come to and, um, and recoup after filming. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, what's that like, being there? Can you... Can you sense? I've been here a lot, a lot of times. Um, yeah, his play, his presence is all over it. He's, we've got this this wonderful little book of all the helpful hints and all the wonderful restaurants to go to in the local vicinity. Oh wow! Um, and even down to how to turn the shower on correctly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. That's such an intricate character detail, isn't it? Oh wow. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so his presence is definitely all over here. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, and I've been coming here for years, though, on and off. Just, I had my honeymoon here, actually. Oh, wow. So, um, uh, yeah. it's a special place. A very, very special place. I love it here. Yeah. But, um, and this, this, like, process of grief, because it feels like you're in this place now where, Tell me if I'm wrong. You're feeling kind of gratitude and, and love and the compassion. Oh, God, yeah. I'm just wondering yeah. how you got there because it's a beautiful place to be in. Obviously, it's a process, right, that you have to go through. There was a lot of anger. I've had, a, I, you know, I've had a lot of... Because um, then, um, you know, a couple of years after he died, my mum died. So, um, sort of... And, my, and two of my dogs. So, it was... Blimey. It was a real... I just living in this this world of grief for quite a while, um, but also whilst bringing up children um, wow. and trying to ensure that you uh, uh, grieve in a, 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 an appropriate way, so that they know that you're sad and it's okay to cry, but also not to scare them with your grief. Um, it was Ooh. a bit of a, a balancing. That is act. such an important message we've just said. They've never thought of it that way because yes, it's you know you will cry and because you're sad and it's you should be sad. But yeah, to not let them. What do you think would have scared them in that grief? What the uncontrollable quench of grief? I think or? yeah. And if I just sh if I'd shut down, which I I really could have done. I see. Um, after my after my mum died. Um, that was that was there was yeah that was tough to deal with um mm. i think on top of everything else that had happened i think it was like you know not only 
has my two dogs and my <laughs> uncle died, but now my mum, who was my, who wasn't just my mum, she was my best friend. Um, um, just was really, I could have, I could have, I'm a very, I am very strong though. I know I'm very strong. Um, Damn right you are. I mean, what, what do you think it was that kept you from shutting down? Because you're right, it is so easy, isn't it, in those moments? But I can't imagine, that's felt like a domino effect. I think there's two things. I think there's two things, yeah. personally, for me. Uh, one, obviously, I've got three children, and um, it is important that I bring them as much joy in their life as possible. Um, and being a dribbling, grieving wreck does not bring joy. <laughs> Um, and, uh, two, I've always been a very positive person. Mm. Um, I think it's essential to always look to where the, to, to positivity, even in the darkest places. Um, uh, so I'm 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 lucky in that that respect that I have got that ability to turn my head to the to the light as opposed to the dark I suppose. Um, do you not think it's a choice? Do we do we have a choice in a way? I know it's hard of some people. It doesn't come as natural, um, including myself in that. But do you think there's a choice to take a dark moment and to actively make an effort to? take your mind down a different path rather than the path of, let's say, self-sabotage and shutting down and despair. It, it, do we have a, a choice in that, do you think? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I've never suffered with mental health issues, but um, I've had a number of friends who have, um, um, family, family members who have as well. So, and I would say they didn't choose to go down a dark path. Um, I think it just sometimes happens to people. Um, You're right. Um, I think I'm lucky that the chemicals in my brain allow me to choose the light. Um, I think I'm lucky that, um, uh, I don't know, my mum was an incredibly positive human being and you were best friends it was yeah so i think it's a case of you know brush yourself off get up put one foot in front of the other and you'll you'll be fine um and that was always very much there with her you know come on you'll be fine <laughs> yes yeah um and i'm very much like that with my kids um but I don't know what they're going to be like as adults. I don't know what's going to go on. So I just do as much as I can to make sure that they do look to the light and the joy in the world as opposed to the dark and, you know, like you say, self-sabotage and um, destruction that, that can come with it. Um, yeah, I think that's such a beautiful message about the sadness. What you were saying about showing your tears to them has really struck a nerve with me because we tend to in my schoolwork there's this thing of if a child is in pain it's you put the band-aid off you get rid of the pain you'll get rid of it but I think a more productive message is to listen to the pain yeah and yeah hear what it has to tell you because it's there for a reason and it's telling you do not do what you did <laughs> yes you, know, you are in this situation because of you you know you've done something to cause this pain and this pain is here to tell you to warn you so that in the future you can not feel this pain and the danger of getting rid of it via you know, alcohol or yeah. shoving it under the rug in whatever manner means that you temporarily dismantle it, you could say, but it's still there, ready still to come there, back, lingering. right? Yeah. Lingering, yeah. exactly. So that message that you're teaching your children about, you know, sometimes, and we, actually we spoke about this, didn't we, that if you're heartbroken, people want to get rid of the, the heartbreak, but so, you, you know, you ask, what do I do? What do I do? And it's, 
Yeah. You cry, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's what you people. Cry. That's what people you do. You feel it. You feel that pain. You feel it. And you make yourself. I mean, I. I mean, my pain is physical. You know, like as in vomiting. It sometimes. You know, just you get so. So distraught, but you need to. I mean, I remember that particularly. Um, like I said, when I the, the two weeks prior to Alan dying, I was. I remember literally keening on the floor like like you see on you know awful news footage um yeah um but i it was so therapeutic to do that so important to to purge myself and allow myself to feel that emotion because then i was clearer um, and I did, you know, similarly with my mum, um, there was, there, I remember there was a particular day and I had to, like I say, purge mm. and, um, and I was better for it. Um, yeah. And I could be there for my family then and my dad and, um, yeah, it seems to me that there's like a, a fine line between being human and being sad and feeling grief. And then at some point, perhaps it gets to the point where you're breaching on suffering and self-sabotage. And, yeah. you know, you're doing this to yourself. And um, yeah, I, it's, it's hard because obviously some people like myself, I'm only just becoming aware that I've been walking myself down this dark path for so long. So, but if you don't have that awareness, how are you meant to make a conscious effort to change your behaviours or the way that you mm. think and, you know, shift yourself towards a more positive path? But I am someone who thinks that we learn these outlooks. You know, you, I, it feels like to me, you've just said it, you learnt this from the relationship with your beautiful mother and yeah. your friendship and the respect and the love that was present there. And, you know, I've learnt my pessimistic or cynical outlook from the situations I was in as a kid. And I'm now making an effort to unlearn them. But, unlearn them, yeah. Right? So I do think there is that possibility. But for some reason, we just don't want to feel pain. And I understand that, I really do. But, you know, looking back on, for you, these moments of grief now, I, I get a sense that you are filled with so much love and motivation mm. to pursue your career. And that's all positive, right? That's yeah, come hugely from positive. That. Yeah, and that's it. Um, using that pain to, to recharge your life to, to a certain extent. Um, because um, also, how, you know, how long are we going to bloody live? I don't know. Um, I want to do as much with my life as I possibly can and enjoy it as much as I can. Mm. Um, hence, you know, I'm in Italy. When I don't <laughs> <laughs> um, randomly for, you know, <laughs> just, just, you know, why not? <laughs> yes. And worked out it's going to cost the same amount of us living here for the next month that it is to be at home. <laughs> Let's go to Italy then. <laughs> That's awesome. And how are the kids in Italy now? Do they feel freer? Are they away from home? They're enjoying it? Or is it similar sort of... Well, you're not on lockdown in Italy, are you? So. No, no. Um, they are... Well, we just, we're just, we've been really lazy. We've <laughs> We went to the beach one day and that was our outing. And then we went out for Sunday lunch yesterday to my favourite restaurant in the entire world. Um, and that's really all we've done. Just swam in the pool, sunbathed. I've got a burnt belly. <laughs> <laughs> you burnt that burnt belly. Yeah. Um, I had intended to do writing. Um, and I think I'm at, I'm, I'm at that point now where I probably could do a bit, but... I couldn't focus for the first week at all on doing anything. Just like I couldn't read a book. It just I'd, I'd go in for a little swim, I'd come out again. But oh, I don't know what to do with myself. And I think that's part of that whole coming out of lockdown thing of like, I can do whatever I want kind of thing, mm. but I don't know what to do. You're overwhelmed. Yeah. Um, 
And the kids are just in and out of the pool the whole time. They're happy, is Larry. That's great. You know, as my son said, oh, this is the life. Bit of tech in the morning, <laughs> into the pool, steal the tech back because you've confiscated it, Mum. Bit of tech, back into the pool. He loves a bit of tech. Bit of tech. <laughs> Tech and pool, tech and, living that That's tech it. and pool life. Yeah, exactly. I love it. And <laughs> I have to ask, and I think this would be a great place to, to finish our conversation. And yeah. as someone who is a young person who doesn't have a family, um, is rather far away, I am intrigued and I have to ask, what was it like, just th- those moments where you w- went from a pregnancy to having the first time that you had a child growing inside of you to that moment where they were brought into this life i just wonder if you could have a go i always ask this to, to mothers yeah. and parents but everyone has a slightly different answer although it's the same feeling but i never get tired of hearing it well i'd um i'd always wanted to be a mother um it had been a burning desire throughout my life and um i wanted a massive family um <laughs> we're talking cheaper by the dozen yeah i just wanted this big noisy family because i came from a very quiet family right like just being an only child so um you know I, I always loved going to my friends houses who had loads of brothers and sisters it was like the noise I love noise much to my husband's annoyance because <laughs> he doesn't love noise <laughs> uh, opposites but, attract yes exactly I'm the person who has the tv the radio <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> everything on the computer cooking you know, it's just all going on at once yeah. but um uh so I'd always wanted a big family and um, so I got married. Um, I didn't have to get married before I had children, but it hadn't happened before we got married. Um, and then it became very apparent that we weren't having children. And we were like, mm, what's going on? Why isn't this happening? So it took us two years to have Tilly. So um, eventually, I mean, I was about to start IVF and we went to Glastonbury Festival. And obviously the ley lines worked there. <laughs> The place where um, all dreams come true. Exactly. And so I came back from Glastonbury pregnant. Um, wow. And um, so didn't have to do the IVF. Um, and so utter joy would be, I would say, how I felt. This overwhelming joy to have this thing growing inside me for nine months and just so lucky that I've been blessed with this this amazing miracle um, when I thought I wasn't going to be able to have children um, um, so then yeah so had this beautiful amazing little bundle of joy that Tilly is she's the most amazing child I absolutely just don't know where she came from because she's not like the other two no. <laughs> but um you know super positive super friendly super loving just amazing child who came from from like i say a miracle and um but then that was quite short-lived because then i got pregnant almost straight away afterwards with flynn because i thought i'd been lucky once i'll never get pregnant again and then yeah so six months later I'm growing another one. Wow. <laughs> so I didn't have long to sort of adjust to being a parent from not being a parent. Mm. Um, in a way, did, was that good for you? Just because I can imagine you just loved throwing yourself in there or was it? would you have liked more time? I would have liked a bit more time because, yes, it was, it was kind of, I'd say, about a year too soon. <laughs> um. But then I made up for that because then I had um, Mabel, who was born at the point at which I should have had Flynn. So I had three under three, um, which was really stupid. (laughs) Really, really, really stupid. Um, um, I made sure Andy was done then. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you got got him sorted out. Okay, I get it, I get it. I'm not uh, having any more bloody children. Yeah, not, like, yeah. not when I seem to be just getting pregnant as soon as I, you know, seem to have to look at a penis and I'm pregnant. So, <laughs> no, so, um, no. Uh, so, yeah, I went to naught to 100, I'd say, with parenting. Really. Um, 
which seems about right for how I would do something, actually. Yeah. Um, and what was that moment like when the baby was in existence for the first time? Just could you remember that feeling? That yeah, you had? yeah, yeah, completely, completely. I remember her, um, her natural birth with all of them, but um, um, so I remember her sort of being. I remember sort of flopping over onto because I'd given birth on my on, on like an animal on all fours, mm. so flopping over and then her letting her crawl up my 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 front to get to my its boobs to feed. Oh wow! And you're meant to sort of let them do it because they'll naturally do it. And one of the best ways for a baby to learn to latch on is to let it find its way there. Oh. And. Um, and I was really hoping that I'd be able to breastfeed and I was very lucky to be able to breastfeed. Um, and yeah, she was a hungry little bastard straight away. So, um, <laughs> um, that's got to be a strange feeling. I know it's a weird question to ask, but I've always wondered that, you know. What well, that... having a human <laughs> sucking on your boobs, <laughs> yeah. pulling, um, pulling away at your nipple. <laughs> I, ha- I had to ask. I mean, that's got to be such a strange feeling, isn't it? You know, So beautiful, though. Right. It's what? the most amazing. I mean, you're you're giving that child. I mean, is that, you know, think about it, that first first mouthful of life and food is coming from you. Oh man, coming from your from your body that you've made that you're, and also amazing that you naturally make this this milk. Yeah. And I was gold top. I I create. I did create some of the most thick calorific milk um, it <laughs> nice. was it, it was proper good stuff um, <laughs> you were happy about that your ego was probably through the roof oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, I know some of my friends were very unhappy about it because they were like why is that as blue and insipid and yours is really really yellow <laughs> oh love it but um so yeah no that was amazing to have this this child just sucking away and it was, it felt so natural. Mm. And that's not to um, denigrate women who do not breastfeed. Um, you have to do what works for you. Um, you know, I've got friends who tried to breastfeed and it was the most traumatic experience of their lives. And um, I respect their choices to, to bottle feed. And you have to, as a mother, do what is right for you and your family to get you through. Right. Um, but that felt right for you? It felt completely right for me. And then yeah. it got to the point where I wanted them to sleep more in the night. So I'd give them a bottle at night time. Because I'd be like, no, I need more than two hours kit before you want more feeding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. That's beautiful. Uh, well, <clears throat> you've got me uh, excited about being a dad. So I appreciate that. It's uh, great. You love it. You would love it. It's good fun. I mean, it's shitty hard, but it's good fun. But, yeah. you know, um, the joy that you, you get from from those little buggers is immense. <laughs> and pain, and pain. Let's, Let's not clear. sugarcoat it as always. No, uh, no, uh, no. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for giving lovely me the time. Lovely to have a lovely chat. Oh, yeah, lovely chat in Italy. No, it's been uh, it's been so great, and it's such a pleasure just chatting to you. And, you and too. I'm sure we'll well we'll chat again soon for sure. Yes, I hope yes. Italy goes really well, and good luck with the kids. Thank you. Take care, darling. No worries. I'll see you All later. Right. Take care. So there we go. That was the first episode of Into the Void. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please make sure to subscribe as I have so many interesting guests to come. But thank you so much for listening and hopefully see you next time. Bye, guys.